0: Hello and welcome to the Intentional Grounding Podcast. This is our fourth episode. Aren't you excited, Luke? Yep. Totally yeah. excited. You sound like <laughs> just completely thrilled. No, um, I'm, I'm absolutely excited to be here. <laughs> well, I am, I am Noah Downs. I'm your co-host here with my, my other co-host, Luke Bisson. Um, we have had a fun-filled weekend and uh, last week we were a little light on news So this week, we've actually kind of got a heavy news segment. Today's episode is going to cover uh, some news, a mailbag question, and rookie running backs, which is always exciting because everybody loves getting those running backs. Well, as long as they can, uh, you know, not get injured. Right, yeah. um, Or, you know, as hopefully as as long as they can produce. I mean, I I can think of some rookie running backs that have burned us in the past uh, looking at you. Mr. Melvin Gordon. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mr. Melvin Gordon. No O-line. Yeah, Mr. No O-line. Mr. Went to the wrong scheme. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's dive right into it. We got some news from this week. Um, I think one of the most pressing news issues that we have is a massive trade went down
1: yeah it was it was a good trade you know I, I, I liked it for both sides um as long as they can get what they want out of the move and we're, we're talking obviously about LA and uh, Tennessee right right yeah 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 I uh the trade in itself made sense I thought it was kind of funny that Jeff Fisher uh traded with his old team yeah to get the first overall spot <laughs> um But, uh, yeah, they gave up a lot to do it, too. I mean, they gave up two firsts, one from this year, one next year, uh, two seconds from this year, and then uh, two thirds, one from this year, one from next year.
0: Yeah, what I really want to have happen is uh, for around next year, this time after, well, after the next draft, once they've collected all these picks, Tennessee, I mean, I just want them to play the Rams. Hey, it's train time. Everybody listen to the train. (laughs) Okay, so I want them to, I want the, the Titans to take all these picks and then send all of these players that they take with these picks out against the Rams as team captains. <laughs> we call that
1: poetic justice, right?
0: Poetic justice because screw you, Jeff Fisher, <laughs> screw you and your eight and eight mediocrity. Yeah. one of the most yep. overrated coaches in this league. When I look at this trade, the thing that I like about it the
1: most is uh, uh, I like to be what what we would call a thinking man. And when I see this, I think it's an awesome case study mm-hmm. because you have two teams going in two different methods of getting you know a, a good offense or just a good team in general. You have uh, Tennessee who has their quarterback, but he is not your he's not your gunslinger quarterback like a. Uh, like an old-school Jake Plummer or, you know, if, you know, Brett Favre, where he can just make stuff happen on the field. He needs to be your – he needs pieces around him and everything. What this does is it, they had the quarterback, and now they can go out and get the pieces, whether it's defensive to help, you know, on the other side of the ball, or get some O-line, get a new uh, right tackle, maybe even get another tackle just so they have that depth to help him out. And all of a sudden, you know, you're cooking with gas. You can do something.
0: Uh, I On the think... opposite
1: side of that, though, L.A. has a ton of stuff, you know, mm-hmm. in part from the trade with RG3 and just in part of collecting. Uh, they got girly last year, and now, you know, maybe all they need is that, that quarterback, and they can start going to the playoffs. So it's just very interesting to see two different teams that did it the exact opposite, and it'll be real uh, – It'll be a treat to see which team benefits the most from this trade in three years.
0: Right, well, what I think's going to happen is Tennessee's is probably going to go out and uh, draft, with all these picks, I think they're going to go out and draft uh, six clones of Justin Hunter just <laughs> Yeah, while well, flying down the field. That could easily happen as like well. A, and play right of the Valkyrie over the Speakers. I think that would just be perfect. Anyways, um, but yeah, so as a result of... Uh, the Titans giving up that number one overall to the Rams, uh, everybody's pretty sure that the Rams are going to take Mr. Jared Goff with that first overall pick, which in turn has sent your Cleveland Browns scrambling to trade down because Goff apparently was their guy.
1: Yeah, see the thing though was this, I mean, I know there's reports out there that it's Goff, um, but that report, in, in the initial hours after that report came out, it was only uh, Adam Scheffler that said it. Everyone else had heard this and that and everything. Um, so it it really could go either way. The problem is we don't know who. But even if it is Goff, I don't think Wentz is obviously is ready to go. No. If you are a team that is struggling to have that, that quarterback that does something, the last thing you want to do is – you know, let one pass you by. Because if Cleveland lets Wentz go, if it's Wentz um, that's there, and Wentz turns into something, all of a sudden it's Odell Beckham over again, all over again, where, you know, the Browns, they can't believe the, the Browns passed on Odell Beckham and McQuiddies are common stuff.
0: Well, I mean, I think that what the Browns don't need, though, is to rush another quarterback a young quarterback into a situation where he's not ready and I do think that Wins is not polished I think it might act; it would actually really stunt his growth if he didn't have the opportunity to develop behind an established quarterback oh I, I totally agree with that you know I mean, you're going all the way back to Tim Couch back in
1: 99 I mean game 2 he was out there playing yeah The yeah. thing they needed, hopefully that's why they went out and they grabbed RG3 you know if, if they're going to do a complete rebuild in Cleveland they need to hunker down let RG three either you know spread his wings and fly, or it's going to be a long season. But they need to let him stay in there and you know and take his lumps and everything because whoever they take this year, even if it's Goff, why put him out there? You're trying to rebuild for the future. You can't keep sabotaging that future by putting out you know the rookie talents.
0: Right. Well, I think what I mean. I'm a Redskins fan, so don't get me wrong. I like RG three, but he is not the kind of guy that you develop behind. He is still developing himself.
1: Well, then that's the question as to why they signed him you know and maybe because they'll keep the Josh McCown around <laughs>
0: that's true they might keep Josh McCown around but um, I think I, I mean I, I think it would be interesting to see them trade down because whoever they trade with is going to be taking wins um, mm-hmm. and I don't know what other suitors there might be out there what do you think Well, right now, your two
1: suitors, to me, are going to be at 7 with San Francisco, or it's going to be at 8 with Philly. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if San Francisco would jump, only because they'll take a chance that the person isn't there for Cleveland. So let's say they're like, well, Goff's not going to go to Cleveland, so they're not going to take Wentz, so we can just now sit here until 7, and Wentz will fall on our laps. So I think that they're the least likely, Mm -hmm. but... If uh, you know, but Philly they need someone. I mean, they, sure they have Sam Bradford, but you know he's not—he's got a one-year deal. He's not the answer. So if they go out and they get Wentz, Bradford
0: could play this year, and then after that, Wentz is good to go. Also, I mean, Bradford it doesn't exactly have a lot of luck staying healthy. Exactly.
1: So I mean, the, those are your two best top ten options, and I really don't see a team with the lack of talent that the Browns have
0: wanting to drop out of the top 10. Yeah. And, I mean, I think it would be really interesting, and this is probably, you know, just as likely as anything, is that we just wake up on April 29th and the headline is LA Rams take Ezekiel Elliott first overall. Tennessee owners everywhere, Uh, (laughs) riot. Yeah. I would be one of them. (laughs) <laughs> I, I would go nuts. I actually have a girly share now, so I would I would lose my mind. Um, <laughs> well, now that we've kind of beaten that to death, um, let's talk about another uh, Browns debacle. Let's just put this to bed. Mm. Josh Gordon's reinstatement was denied. He messed up again, had a diluted sample, um, and there's not going to be any more talk about this on our podcast until August 1st unless he like gets hit by a truck or fails again or if he
1: has a, a hit-and-run or if he goes with Manziel and messes up a mansion
0: after a party. You I know. don't know what you're talking about. He's, he's, he's just like a model citizen.
1: It, it, regardless if he was there or not. Because the problem is, it's hearsay. You know, yeah. I mean, Even the report with the mansion, the, the, uh, the house that was supposedly messed up at the party, uh, the guy said that he, he, this guy who was there, said he was Josh Ford, but it, he couldn't say you know That was all he had. Um, but irregardless... There's nothing football-relevant about talking you know, with him or about him. And honestly, if this really is him, there's not going to be any football relevancy going forward because he's never going to see the field again.
0: Exactly, which so, sucks because I have him in a couple of leagues, but at least I didn't I, invest too heavily in him. I have him in one,
1: and the window closed. I can't even get a second for him, so I'm sitting on him.
0: I mean, there's no point trading for anything um, less than a second at this point, because I mean, there's a chance he comes back. It's minuscule. I'll give him about a 30% chance.
1: What what a difference a month makes. I oh. traded him straight up for Mike Evans a month and like two days ago.
0: Oh my god. I traded him straight up for a 2017 first about a month ago.
1: Exactly. And now you can't even get a second.
0: Yep. Yeah, so, um, it's a draft. <laughs> and I know the guy that Um, I traded with to get that first listen to to this podcast, and I apologize, my friend. Um, So, talking a little bit more about uh, draft talk, and then we got two more news items. So, apparently, speaking of the Eagles and their draft needs, they're showing the most interest in Zeke Elliott, and combined with that, there talks that Ryan Matthews might be traded from the Eagles to either San Francisco or Dallas. Now, one of those options... If, first of all, I really do think the Eagles will take Zeke at number 8, because he's going to be there, and the Eagles need... He, he'd be a franchise running back. He would be so amazing um, mm-hmm. in that scheme, and we'll more on that later. But Ryan Matthews is currently the guy there, and I know a lot of fantasy owners have gone out there and bought Ryan Matthews pretty cheap this offseason. Um, if he goes to San Francisco, I am more interested. Uh, just I totally
1: thinking, agree. Yeah. He
0: is a One, he's either near 30
1: or at 30 going into the season. I'm pretty sure it's 29, but, you know, I'm not an ageist per se, but running backs to near 30, I kind of start to get the, you know, how far far out can I actually project me wanting him on my team?
0: Well, no, I will say this. He he is known as more of a pass-catching back. So it's not like he's, you know, taking a hit on every single play. He's probably taking a lot of hits. But it's not like he has the tread that Frank Gore has.
1: Right, which is actually why I could see him, and I'd be happier if he went to
0: Dallas. And I would hate that because there's just so much crap going on in Dallas now. If he goes to Dallas, you've got DMC. You've got a potential Dunbar return. You've got Alfred Alf Morris there, and then you've got Ryan Matthews. and None of those guys, they're all great running back twos. Mm-hmm but none of them really screams, oh, I'm the franchise guy, and I'm going to get all 20 touches a game.
1: You're going to have that anyways, but, I mean, let's let's be honest. Dunbar's never playing again. Probably not. I mean, he tore everything in that knee. Yeah. You know, this is the same injury that Jimmy Graham has. This is the same injury that uh, uh, Victor Cruz has been coming back from for two years now. You know, the, the patellar Williams tendon, now that, when, now that we know that that was also torn and repaired, I mean, ACL, patellar tendon, and the MCL all had to be fixed.
0: It's like somebody stuck a grenade in there and pulled the pin. Right. Yeah. Oh, and he, he's just,
1: he's not coming back from that. I mean, I would love to sit here and say, oh, I hope he does and everything. But if he does, and if he actually has any kind of ability to do,
0: his, to be as good as he was pre, he'll be the first guy to do it. Yeah, exactly. Well, moving on to our last note, and fantasy owners everywhere, take notice right now and take action on this ASAP. Um, the attorney general in X Y Z State, New York, um, is re-examining Lashawn McCoy's case. You know, he um, there he was supposedly cleared of all wrongdoing in the assault um, charges and wasn't charged with anything, but. The AG himself is taking another look at it and he might still be charged. So um, they can do that, that's legal uh, to re-examine and then file charges and so I would say because this has been announced I feel like LaShawn McCoy is going to be charged. He is probably going to miss this season if he is charged unless he can you know, hold off um, for some reason getting suspended until after the case is adjudicated. I would sell McCoy right now before this gets too big. I would also go out and grab Carlos Williams as quickly as I could as well. Oh, yeah, I definitely think so. I think Carlos Williams' stock is going to fly up. Um, I think that LaShawn McCoy's stock, I honestly think that Carlos Williams would be worth more than LaShawn McCoy um, after this news gets more public, so if you have McCoy, I would not just sit there and wait for offers to come in, I would just go and sell him. What would you take from McCoy here in this news?
1: Hearing this news right now for Meme, um... Man, I, well... See, the problem, though, is the only way that I would... What I would take for him, like, if I was selling him... Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Man. Uh... At this this moment, I would hope that no one had heard about it and still try to get a first, even if it's a late first.
0: I I think that you could probably get a late first for him, and right there you're looking at um, replacing him with a player like Kenneth Dixon or something. I, I really do. You know, which it. which I think is actually pretty comparable. Yeah, I agree. And I actually, we'll talk about this more later, but I, I actually can think Ken Dixon might go to Buffalo. So, um, ha! Uh, hot take. So I would say sell Sean McCoy as fast as possible. If you can get an early two in a piece, um, so like an early second plus, that would be ideal. If you can get a mid to late first, that would be the best. Mm hmm. Well, so we've talked a lot of news. Um, Let's move on to our mailbag. And now, just to remind everybody, you can submit your own questions to our mailbag via intentionalgroundingff at gmail.com. What's that, Luke? Uh, That was our
1: email. It's intentionalgroundingff at (laughs) gmail.com.
0: Intentionalgroundingff at gmail.com. So today we have a message from Scott. Scott says, first... Let me say how enjoyable it is to hear Luke and Noah talk football. Thanks, Scott. Yeah, really nice. thanks. After the news segment, you, should, you guys should do a trending in fantasy, fantasy segment. I think we, we just kind of did that, but we'll look into that for the future. And you also, Scott, likes to hear us talk about trades. Um, here are some of his questions, and we'll just kind of hit them as they come down. First question. Do you prefer heavy tackle or heavy big play IDP scoring? So that's individual individual defensive play player scoring. So, what do you think? Luke?
1: Oh, for myself. Oh well, I enjoy the big plays, but they're fluky. Yeah, exactly. So if I if I have to go with any of them, I would rather go big tackle because sure enough, you know that means your middle linebackers and your safeties. They're the guys that are going to be, you know, your inbox safeties are going to be the ones that are getting all your points in that sense. Mm -hmm. Um, But I find the sweet spot, I like it to be roughly the three to four to one kind of ratio where Mm -hmm. it's uh, four points to three to four points for an interception uh, versus one point per tackle. That is like where I like it to be. But if I have to go one or the other, I prefer it to be where it's a heavy tackle.
0: Yeah, and I think um, in, in the IDP legs that you and I play in, uh, and I think you play in a lot more than I do, actually, but the I prefer it when the IDP players are scored about equally with the offensive players. That way that it's they're just as important. Um, I think I like more of a balance between tackle and big play, kind of like you were saying, like a 4-to-1 ratio. Um, that way your big players are not discounted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also can have a decent roster if you're not able to get insanity players like Sherman and whatnot.
1: Right. Well, it just it just makes you know, cornerbacks. Uh, if the, the problem with the NFL is if your cornerbacks and the real NFL are good, no one's throwing to them, so right. they're bad for fantasy. Exactly. You know, the best guy is out to get there. So you're like you're. Uh, well, your Patrick Peterson is when he was returning, or your Tyler Matthaus, you know, now that he's the guy who's returning and stuff, but
0: your guys that you get points for, special teams as well. Right, exactly, like your Cam chancellors, maybe, um, in terms of the people that actually get tackles. Um, right. So, well, moving on to the next question from Scott. How much do you guys value draft guides, either magazines, bought-off store shelves, or online guides? Well, Scott, I will tell you that if you walk into a draft with me, and you are using a magazine, I'm going to whoop your ass every time. Mm-hmm. Um, because magazines are, when they, go, when, when they are printed, they are already about two to three weeks old mm-hmm. in terms of news, because they have to get it on, they have to get everything edited, shelved, and whatnot. So by the time it's getting to your hand, it's between four and five weeks after it's relevant. So if you walk in with a magazine that was published today, to this draft, I I'm I think that you're at a major disadvantage. Now with online guides, they're up to the minute generally, so I, I don't hate them. Um, I prefer to do my own stuff. I prefer to make my own calls on, on uh, players. Like ESPN, as you know, has that draft system where it suggests players based on their rankings and whatnot and their um, ADP, but I just kind of move all over the board. If a guy is my guy, I will take him. Hey, there's your cuckoo clock. That's the cuckoo clock hour. <laughs> <laughs> if um, a guy is my guy and I have the fifth overall pick and he's not supposed to go until the 20th, but he's my number one guy, I'll take him every time.
1: Uh, that makes perfect sense. For me, my process starts in season. Um, and what I do is at the beginning of, let's say, let's take this last season, 2015 as a, for an example. Mm-hmm. Um, I start to figure out who the big names are and who the big names have been in Debbie Leagues for the past two years because I'm trying to find offensive skill players that have had continuity over that time, and their breakout age, if they've been in there for a while, was obviously younger than guys that are breaking out in their third or fourth seasons. Uh, So after that, I start and I watch film of them, Prior to that season, and then during the season at DraftBreakdown.com. Oh, call. Oh. I sit there and I take notes and everything. And there's certain guys that I look for. One, I want to find if you're in a PPR league, obviously you want a guy that gets his hands on the ball a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want a guy, for example, uh, Tyler Boyd, who you, you know, who I actually am, I'm not as high on as most people, but he had. Um, he had over forty percent of his team's production. Everything was like filtering into him. And you want to see that kind of stuff for guys when you're trying to figure out who you want to take. The problem is how he matches up. It's going to be very, very based on where he goes. Exactly. I think uh, Tavon Austin, Percy Harvin-esque sort of stuff.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, um, but so then from there, I do buy one draft guide in May. I'm oh, sorry, not even May. I think I bought this draft guide in March. Like when they first come out right after the combine, you know, the first one that comes out. But I buy one uh, off the shelves of the magazine rack just so I can see where they say. I love nothing more than when the draft hits going back through and being like, whoa, what were these guys thinking?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's good. As far as like
1: online PDF files, you know, I, every year I grab uh, Matt Walton's uh, RSP, Rookie Scouting Report.
0: This year you grabbed uh, the UTH draft guide.
1: Yep, and this year I got it. was the first year that Chad Parsons did his, and I, I, I did that one as well. And, I mean, so much information. And the reason why I like those is because uh, Chad Parsons has already put out a second version of it, updating yeah, it did. from stuff that's happened. And yeah. both Matt Waldman and Chad Parsons will update their um, uh, their draft guides again post-draft putting in there, they take into account their thoughts on landing spots and and opportunity because of the landing spots and stuff like that. So I think it's an awesome way to go and it's cheaper than going out and buying a $12 guide, $7 guide or whatever at the the grocery store.
0: Right, and I I will say I, I do enjoy using online draft guides as a way to let myself know kind of where the players I like are going so I can kind of get in there ahead of time. Uh, if I need to move back into a draft because, say, somebody's about to go, I use it for that. Um, and it's all, always good, like you said, to compare before and after and see what people are thinking. <laughs> Important, though, to remember the, those draft guides.
1: Oh no, what was that? <laughs> yeah, I, I can hear. They coming to see you.
0: Yeah, yeah, the, the, the police are on their way to talk to me now. It's the, it's the draft police. They really don't like you want to talk crap about guides.
1: <laughs> but, uh, no, you don't want to sit there with these draft guides that you get you know, from the store online and, and have that be the end of your uh, your prep for your draft you need to sit there and watch the film yourself, you need to understand what metrics from the combine um, uh, uh, lead to better things, you know, the 40 in the combine is a, is a number that's so universal for everybody but if you can take the short shuttle and you can take the three cone and you can take the, the vertical, or even the broad jump in the case of wide receivers, if you can take those numbers, those to me are so much more important for explosiveness and other advantages on the field than what the 40 can offer.
0: Right, exactly. Um, so I, I, I think that that was a really thorough answer. I would say look at the draft guides as a starting point, the online ones, but do your own stuff. Oh, okay. I, got, I guess we could just have just said that. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um Scott has one more question. I think this is a really interesting question. We could talk about it a lot, but I think we should keep it short and sweet. Okay. Um, He asks, some NFL teams offer low fantasy returns. What sleeper NFL team do you think offers big fantasy returns in 2016? An example he provides is the Jacksonville Jaguars.
1: Mm. Uh, I think that uh, actually when it comes to the Jags, as far as returns um, offensively speaking, I expect there to be regressions in both touchdowns and yards for all of your wide receivers slash quarterbacks. Yeah. With them bringing in Ivory, they're obviously going to go towards more of a run. And I'm hoping this doesn't happen, but it's starting to also look a little bit like clock control management style. Yep. Um, with that in mind, who may take and ag- who may take the next step, though? Julius Thomas, because they're going to see a bad. lot of red zone action, and they may try to play a little more conservative and get him the ball, a lot like uh, uh, Manning did in Denver.
0: Interesting. I think my um, my sleeper NFL team that's going to give big fantasy returns will be the Tennessee Titans, um, because they got Murray in there. They Mm -hmm. have Doriel Green Beckham entering his second year, Mariota entering his second year, uh, the walking corpse that is Delaney Walker. uh, Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that they're going to honestly – I think they're going to crank it up a notch and have a really good offense. um, And they're going to have to because I'm not sure that their defense is going to be great shakes. Right. Well,
1: they have a lot of picks to deal with right now, so it's It's all going to depend regarding uh, their defense coming up because this – draft is so deep for those front seven guys
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um but my surprise one and i'll keep i'll keep my actual surprise one short i think the Oakland raiders are going to take the next step this year not so much getting into like the playoffs but they're going to be an above 500 team
0: i agree with that i really do agree with that because they made a lot of great offseason moves Um, they've been doing good i don't know you know i don't know how, <laughs> but they did. <laughs> I think Clive Walford is going to be a big part of them taking a step forward.
1: Absolutely, his efficiency is going to be awesome this year.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was looking at a draft the other day, and uh, somebody said, "Hey, Michael Rivera is still on the board." I said, "Michael, who?" <laughs> well, they just came out with a blurb two days ago that uh, Rivera is up for trade. Oh, very cool.
1: So if, if anything happens, it'll it'll come draft time. You know, and, like draft day, you'll see him move.
0: And we will tell you about it first thing, folks. <laughs> yep. So uh, <laughs> so now let's move on to our third part of today. We want to look at, take a first look at rookie running backs. And Luke, you've come up with this great little list of stats and info for me for reference because obviously I spend a lot of time preparing for this, but you spent a lot more time preparing for this. Um that's your top 15 rookie running backs in the 2016 pre-draft.
1: Yeah, um, I, uh, I start out with a pre-draft list because uh, the most important thing to me in my process when I'm figuring out who I want to end up taking on a list is I, I don't want their landing spot to account for why I'm taking them. Right. Um, the best example I have coming out from last year was uh, Nelson Aguilar. He was, for me, in the second round as a prospect until he landed with Philly. Right. And I drank the Kool-Aid, and all of a sudden he went from, like, the 202 on my board to the 105. And he should have stayed at the 202.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. I try to do really hard, and obviously even I'm susceptible to it, is to take the talent level, figure out their schemes that they're good at at the uh, college level, and make a ranking or at least a tier system on that before the draft happens, so that way I can use the draft and you know their landing spots opportunities that are assumed and whatnot as like the tiebreakers to move them around in said tiers.
0: Right, and, and folks, this kind of goes back to our talk about um, using online draft guides as a starting point. Um, all, your online draft guides will break down these running backs. They'll have Uh, where they think they should go their adp you know they might even have a few stats and potentially um, uh, where they think that they might go but what luke has done is he's taken the next step and he's even looked into blocking schemes and how that running back might fit in terms of blocking um, and and the scheme that they go to so let's let's take a look at this list um you have a surprise at number one. You have uh, this guy. Who is this guy? Ezekiel <laughs> Elliott.
1: I think everyone is completely blown away with that.
0: I know. That's a hot take right there.
1: <laughs> I, he's He's the most obvious choice. I mean... Based on what you've seen them do on film, I mean, everyone talks about Michael Thomas from OSU, and they say that one of their drawbacks in liking him is the fact that you know he really never popped, and nothing really ran through him, or the offense really never took off in him, and to make him that projected number one wide receiver at the next level, well the opposite of that can be said about Elliot. Everything seemed to go through him and he thrived on it. You know, I mean, when they, when they had their first loss during the season, uh, he was a little mature, but I but the first thing he did is he basically announced on live television that he was going to um, uh, go into the draft. <laughs> he didn't even <laughs> wait. <laughs> <laughs> so And so, I mean, everything just went through Ezekiel Elliot. And I mean, it, he really didn't have any much information regarding like a, um, a short shuttle or a three cone or anything but you know he had a 32 you know and a half inch vert uh he's going to go far what i like about him is he is the best in a zone blocking system but yeah. he can really go in and thrive at any at any any type of it's just that that'd be the one where he would attack
0: the best. Now, when we're talking about zone blocking system, this is for the listeners who might uh, not know exactly what that means. That's uh, that's really kind of taken as a counterpart to precision passing. You can you see a lot of zone block blocking schemes uh, operate really efficiently with um, precision passing schemes. So it's like a zone stretch scheme where the the a hole will open up somewhere on the line. They're gonna make it. They're gonna take that one cut and go up.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, whereas the the, the inverse is a, a man scheme, you know, or, or a gap where each guy is in charge of making sure that a certain gap is available. You know, they have to step into said gap and everything in the process. It's going to open up holes in that sense.
0: Right, exactly.
1: The problem with that style, though, is those are for your guys that, um, uh, that lack that elusiveness. Mm-hmm. And so if you do not have a line that is able to open up holes in that way, your very, very strong, sturdy running back that needs to go north and south is not going to go anywhere because they can't get up to speed.
0: Exactly. So I think Zeke will, obviously you said his preferred blocking scheme would be zone, but I honestly think he would do well wherever he ends up.
1: Yes, and and he is sort of universal in that sense. Out of the two, I think he'd benefit more from that. But I mean, even if you went to like a Dallas, where they have more of that um, uh, that gap style.
0: Train. Rain is reminding us to keep moving. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Very good. Okay, so second on my list is kind of a surprise. I know a lot of guys still have Oh, I don't um, think this is uh, a surprise at all. Henry is um, uh, uh, their second and overall because regardless of what he does, it's expected that he's going to score a lot of touchdowns, you know, and touchdowns matter. Um, but I'm looking for guys on my list that can do everything. And one of the things that... Uh, I want to see the most, especially in PPR, is uh, a pass-catching and pass-blocking running back. So the next guy on my list is Kenneth Dixon because of those traits.
0: And I do not disagree with that, I really do love Kenneth Dixon. Um, He is also um, a little bit better in a zone scheme. Uh, Mm. He's a small school guy, Um, Yes, but I don't think that that really matters.
1: He went. He went off. Um, he he will be just fine at the next level. Uh, he went to Louisiana Tech, and uh, you know, so he had lesser competition. But I mean, when you, when you when you sit there and you have a guy, uh, his rushing ability, the way that he rushes, his elusiveness, uh, he he'll, he'll be fine. He had a 6.97 three cone. Anything under a seven is good. Yeah. You know, his vertical jump was a 37.5. Great. He can catch out of the backfield. He can come in, and he may not understand the full schemes on how to pass block, but he had the pass block there, so he understands the general uh, aspect of it.
0: Yeah, he he's really a he's a dynamic playmaker, and um, I, obviously after Zeke, I, I agree with you that he's the best back in this class. Um, you you mentioned in this little write up that you did that uh, his best landing spot would be a place like in uh, Indianapolis with the Colts.
1: I agree. Yeah, exactly. You know, because I feel that he would do best, uh, besides what it says on the thing, uh, I think he would do best in a timing scheme. And, um, I mean, Andrew Luck is an efficient passer. Yeah. Be able to catch out of the backfield. And in all honesty, I know they have Frank Gore there, but if they can get somebody like Kenneth Dixon there and he can sit there learn for a year behind him and just learn how he passed blocks and go from there – Kenneth Dixon could be a top five running back in fantasy and in football if he's put into a place where there's a lot of offense around him to help him get there.
0: So what you're saying is that the ideal thing for Kenneth Dixon to do would be to go to Indianapolis and become the Luke Skywalker to Frank Gore's Obi-Wan.
1: Yeah, or, or Yoda. I mean, I could imagine Kenneth Dixon sitting there and just... Carrying uh Frank Gore on his back, I'm doing backflips out so in the jungle.
0: <laughs> and Frank Gore is 900 years old. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about the next guy on this list. And interestingly enough, the next guy, your third running back, is also not named Derrick Henry.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And well, spoiler uh, alert, neither is my fourth guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. And uh, this fifth guy, oh, wait, the fifth guy is Derrick Henry. Because um, he's
1: number five.
0: Yeah. Uh, so Paul Perkins from UCLA. Uh, he is an interesting dude. Um, he, he nothing about Paul Perkins just like wows me.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a total potential call. Right. Um, the thing that I, the reason why he's on this list for me is because I feel that he has the traits to, at the next level, be better. what Derrick Henry is going to be he's just not there yet and I say right in the thing it's going to take him at least a year if not more to reach that point right Um, which is why I I actually have my favorite place for him to go is Minnesota
0: yeah um because you got Adrian Peterson there you got Jarek McKinnon there I've although I will say um if he goes to Minnesota I'm worried that he will never be given a chance Um, I
1: think, well, in that sense, I absolutely agree. I I feel that if he goes there, he would have to go in the second round. And so I believe that his draft pedigree would put him ahead of McKinnon. So if he was actually taken at that point, I feel that McKinnon owners would be the ones that should be worried. I feel that they would move him.
0: Yeah, I agree. And uh, you, you say here that you think his worst landing spot would be San Francisco. Now, can you explain that a little bit? because of the style of play Paul Perkins to me
1: is a lot like DeMarco Murray when DeMarco Murray was coming out and we all saw what Chip did with DeMarco Murray or didn't do with DeMarco Murray yeah, last but year did not do it with DeMarco Murray <laughs> so my fear is that if he went there he would want to split time between him and Carlos uh, and Carlos Hyde and Anyone else that was there at that point? Right. Honestly, I don't think they need anybody. I think they need to just give the ball to Carlos Hyde and see what he can do.
0: Well, here's what I think is that I think Paul Perkins actually might do okay with San Francisco under San Francisco with Chip Kelly, if the draft stock is high enough, um, because I mean, I, I, he would. Paul Perkins does best in his own scheme, and as I mentioned earlier, his own schemes are good for precision passing, and that's all that Chip Kelly does. Right, but passing. yeah need to have that quarterback to make that work. Are you sure? I don't, I don't, I don't think Kaepernick is that inaccurate. I mean, he just has the worst... I think he is really either. I just don't know if Kaepernick's <laughs> going
1: to be there week one.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, but, so I, I don't think it would be a travesty if he ended up in San Francisco. I think it would create headaches for Carlos owners. Mm-hmm. I, I think that there's
1: a good chance that if, a, say, either Cleveland or Philadelphia trades up to two, and that one of them takes Wentz, Or Goff, whoever's left over, I wouldn't put it past San Francisco to take Paxton Lynch at the seventh overall spot.
0: I kind of agree with that, although it's interesting to note that Paxton Lynch was not invited to the draft.
1: That that is true, but you know they also
0: have uh, they have Chip. So (laughs) yeah, it's true. So moving on, we got Jonathan Williams at number four. Jonathan Williams is an interesting guy. If he was healthy in 2015, he could easily have been my number two. Yeah, I agree. I, I think um, <laughs> he is a really balanced player. I, I think, I mean, he's he's a good runner. He can pass protect. Um, and I think the only issue with him is his, his injury history.
1: If there are two guys that I'm targeting in my earlier drafts coming up, mm-hmm. Regarding um, uh, the rookie spots, I'm going for guys that are well balanced, and I think that I can get it slightly lower than what they're worth. In the first round, it's Leonte Carew, because he's a well balanced guy that j- he's just just a hair under your your main guys. And then in the second round, it's Jonathan Williams.
0: Yeah, I I think Jonathan Williams is going to be a nice little steal. Um, uh, what is the earliest you would take Jonathan Williams? Uh,
1: right, okay, uh, I based on the way that rookie um, uh, drafts work for most of my leagues, which I'm in 27 of them, um, about two-thirds of my leagues draft in the month of May to early June. Right. The rest of them draft during the preseason. So mm-hmm. in my early drafts, my hope is to get him between the 206 to the 210, depending on where I'm at. Um, but depending on where he lands and what they start to show in training camp, I wouldn't be surprised if I have to use a late first to a way early second to come August to get him.
0: Yeah, I think he's going to rise up soon because he's just, he's a he's complete package and he's polished.
1: Right. His only detraction is his left foot was hurt, but based on his pro day, everything checked out fine.
0: Right. Now, looking at the number five running back on your list, and we'll do this fifth one, and then we'll just kind of do the next ten pretty quickly. Okay. Um, But the number five running back on your list, surprisingly, is Derrick Henry. Um, A lot of people have Derrick Henry much earlier. They have him behind Zeke, actually directly behind Zeke, and he's uh, considered to be a mid-first-round pick Mm -hmm. um, in some draft circles. But you have him all the way down number five, which, needless to say, I think takes him out of your top ten. Oh, absolutely. I, 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 You will not see me taking him
1: in the first round, which means I will not have any shares of him at all. Uh, he reminds me a lot, of, situationally speaking, reminds me a lot of Melvin Gordon last year. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, last year it was Gurley and Gordon. This year it's uh, Zeke and uh, Henry. And I think he's just the odd man out. He needs a much more specific scheme with the talent in that scheme to make his own game successful, right? I feel that you can't sit there and take a uh, setup like Alabama and be like, you know, it's kind of like uh, when Melvin Gordon came out of Wisconsin. He was behind all of those grass-fed linemen that they grow up there, mm-hmm. and he went to San Diego, and nothing happened. You know, he didn't even score a touchdown, and that's because he like the, the talent on. the uh, the line, not in comparison. And and I'm just afraid that he's going to go so high to a team that has so many holes on the front line that he's going to run into that same problem.
0: Well, he is the first running back on your your list that would be good in a gap scheme, um, Mm. a power scheme. And so I think that if he lands with a power scheme, like, for instance, I think it would be really interesting if he ended up, like with the, uh, the uh, Vikings or the Bills or the Cardinals. Um, actually, I would hate the Cardinals because then that would... That would take me. away from David Johnson. But I, yeah. If
1: he went to the Buffalo, I'd be fine with that. But And that's when he would go up. Right. You know, but the problem is, for me, his talent requires him to be in a... He's scheme-dependent, and that's why he's so low on my list now.
0: Right. He needs to actually hit the best landing spot for him. Uh, right, I feel that's how I, that, I feel that's how I should have looked
1: at Gordon last year because Gordon was my number two, even though I liked players like Yeldon, you know, better. Yeah, but it's because I was following the hype and I figured, oh, he could go anywhere. He'll come in. He, you know, for like a day, he was the highest, you know, scoring running back in the NCAA until the guy from the Navy broke it the next day or whatever. Yeah, so it meant he had pedigree. He was good to go. No. <laughs> I think it would be it really work.
0: interesting if he got drafted by the
1: Seahawks. Yeah. yeah. Well, And I think that would be great because um,
0: uh, any Thomas Rawls share that I had is now gone. Yeah, agreed. I, I sold Thomas Rawls like a freaking hot cake. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but I, w- I would say in the Seahawks he could probably take over where um, Marshawn Lynch left off because they both, they're both big and they both run really hard. I mean, Derrick Henry... Is six foot three, two hundred and forty seven pounds. Yeah, and you know, at,
1: at that at that weight, uh, he his forty time was uh, you know four point five four.
0: Yeah, you know, his
1: short shuttle was a four three eight. Uh, his three cone was seven twenty. But then again, you're not depending on him to sit there and be elusive. He's your bowling ball. He's just a really big bowling ball.
0: Well, he's got some explosiveness. If you look at his vertical, is a thirty seven. Well, oh, it actually, and what's funny is, you look
1: at his uh, like his ten yard, and you know he's kind of yeah. slow and stuff, but he gets out there, and you know, and once he gets to speed, he's absolutely fine.
0: I will say though, you are right. It, it we like all this about him, but he has to hit the exact right spot for him.
1: Right, and like I said, and that's the only reason why he's down on my list, uh, because you know, I was talking to one of our one of our um, uh, our chat groups. And I, I was, at, you know, that was brought to the point, well, why are you already accounting for landing slots when you're making this list? And it's like, well, you have to, you know, take Zeke, for example. Ezekiel Elliott can go anywhere, you know, and if you put it in the vacuum, regardless of who else is there at the position, he will flourish under, you know, whether it's gapped, whether it's zone, whatever. But... If you have a guy that can only go to 30 to 40% of the teams in this league to, and, and succeed, and then he needs that, that style to succeed, he automatically has to go down because obviously he's missing some kind of talent that's not allowing him to do it.
0: Right. So let's just look at the, the rest of this list then. Just go through your next five on your top 10. At six, you have Devontae Booker out of Utah, uh, seven is Alex Collins out of Arkansas. CJ Procyse comes in number eight from Notre Dame. Uh, Jordan Howard from Indiana is a number nine, and surprise for me that he's this low on your list. Keith Marshall at number ten. Mm-hmm. So explain, explain kind of your thoughts when you were ranking them in that order. For me, Keith Marshall. Uh, okay, you want me to go in order. Yeah, I mean, what, what, why is Keith Marshall so low? Why is Devonte Booker so high? That kind of thing. Uh, Keith Marshall for me is lower because.
1: He came out at the same time as Gurley as far as like joining, you know, in, uh, in Georgia. Um, but then Chubb came. You know, he's, he's never had time to shine on his own yet. And he's been good when he's had the opportunity. And he's very athletic. But it all hasn't been put together yet. So you're projecting all of that. You know, really. now as far as his times go and everything, you're looking at a guy who has a 4.31. I mean, blazing hot fast speed at you know at that level um and he's got a 30.5 vert so he's you know not as explosive in that sense so he's yeah. just a guy that has a top speed he gets too quickly i think and he can catch so yeah. he, so he should be good but i just i haven't personally seen it to the level that i feel comfortable putting him higher on the list i mean i know that other pundits have him up higher because of those
0: attributes
1: mm-hmm.
0: but they're projecting it.
1: You know?
0: Again, I think he's another one that would be interesting if he went to the Bills because he has such a good receiving score, and he's better for um, the power running game, the gap scheme. So I think right. the, the speed that he has would make him a great fit for the Bills. It would give Tyrod Taylor somebody to chuck the ball to on a dump. or um, Also, I think the Bills really utilize that power game pretty well, and he, I think he'd really excel there. It's just a matter of if he's taken by them.
1: Right, I mean, he is two. You know, he's five eleven, two nineteen. I just, I question that if he can, if he can take that step to be the lead dog, you know, he may be, he may be stuck, just being, you know, a complimentary piece. Right, exactly. And which would kill his fantasy talk. Absolutely, and I mean, and, and like I said, for right now, until I know where he goes and everything, that's why he's so low. Love, love, love him as a talent, but he's gonna be dependent. You know, on his landing.
0: Right. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the other four then. Uh, Devonte Booker, Alex Collins, CJ Proseis, and Jordan Howard. Which of these is your favorite? Oh. I know how you have them ranked, but which one of these do you think could shoot up on your board? Uh, the, the,
1: the obvious choice for me is Booker. You know, I mean, I, I know it's cop out because he's six and he's the uh, first guy on that list. But uh, the news, I haven't heard yet how his, uh, his recheck went from uh, the Combine. Um, but he has every opportunity just to shoot up the board if he comes out. He, he, there's three guys in this uh, draft that I feel that could be out-of-the-gate contributors and going into being full-time top 10 running backs in this league. Zeke, Jonathan Williams, and Devonta Booker. Yeah. You know now Booker has a knee issue and he's also got age and it's not on his side. But I mean, when you're getting a running back and you're not sitting there trying to get a running back for the next 10 years. Right. You know, it's it's like Jay Ajayi last year. You know. Um, so for me, he's the obvious mm-hmm. choice. Alex Collins is really good, but I feel that Jonathan Williams is better. Um, but you may have another. Um, yep. You know, Oh, what was the, what was the other two Arkansas guys that came out and were really good together? It was DMC. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, I know that what's his, uh, who was the guy? Who was the guy that played for Cleveland for like a season and then wanted to go off to, get like, the <laughs> FBI or Secret <laughs> Service or something? Can't
0: remember. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, uh, yeah, he was the guy. I bought Madden that year just because it had a Cleveland guy on the cover.
0: Oh really?
1: Yeah, he, he made it on the cover. It was the first year that fans vote, and they are like, oh, man, Cleveland got on the cover. We're never doing this again.
0: Oh, wait, hold on. Breaking news on the podcast. Duh-da. Uh, <laughs> we don't have a drop for that yet, folks. Um, <laughs> uh, the Seahawks have agreed to a one-year deal with cornerback Brandon Browner, who played with, with the team from 2011 to 2013. All right. Um, yeah. Cool. Oh, well,
1: we got some, we got some news. Uh, I don't expect it. I expect them to have a pretty good defense regard, unless I feel that it's a nice filler. Yeah, I wonder if he was signed more as a nickelback.
0: I, I think he probably was, but I, I do think he'd be a nice little buy low right now if he did grab him. Um, but, yeah, so we just had some breaking news. That's cool. All right, yeah. sorry. Uh, oh, you're fine. You're fine. Back to the, back to the, the matter at hand. Where would you take um, these players, Devontae Booker through Keith Marshall? What round?
1: You know, all of these guys are going to be um, uh, second-rounders all the way. Maybe Keith Marshall is an early third. You know, that, but, the, but this right here is the sweet part of the draft. Right. Everyone is going to be trying to figure out when to take the second to third-tier wide receivers. But the thing in this draft is if you don't get a wide receiver early,
0: you don't get one late because the, the talent just drops off so quickly.
1: Exactly. You know, I mean there's sure there's a lot of guys you can take some flyers on, but if you're gonna take flyers, take flyers on these guys. Because these guys right here are the ones that are one injury away from actually being the starter.
0: Yeah. It's kinda like last year and uh, yeah, I was able to get David Johnson in one of my rookie drafts at the three oh six. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's exactly where I took him last year too. Yeah, and if you're able to turn one of these guys in the second or, or third round into a, into a hit, then you can make a profit off of them and be in a great spot for next year.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, and then once you get past Keith Marshall, uh, you're looking at a bunch of flyer guys that um, that I, I was actually, I hadn't even heard of half of them until I started getting the uh, into the uh, rookie scouting portfolio. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I mean, I... like, I hadn't even heard of Jalen Richard, or um, uh, well, I, I heard Lasco. I mean, Lasco's is a pretty big name. There. Yeah, but Like Tyler, Lasko. I hadn't heard of any of them.
0: Yeah. So just to just to let the listeners uh, know, your, your 11 through 15 consist of uh, Brandon Wilds, Jalen mm-hmm. Richard, Peyton Barber, Daniel Lasco, and Tyler Irvin. I've mm-hmm. heard of Tyler Irvin, um, and he actually is pretty fast. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. He's super fast, and, and he's, you know, he's going to too. yeah. He's going to be your Danny Woodhead. Yeah, but, that's what I think. But those types of guys, I mean, look at last year. Danny Witt in PPR was the third overall running back. And how old is
0: he? He's ancient.
1: You know, so he's the type of guys that you sit on, you grab him the fourth round, and mm-hmm. you just let him sit there. And then if he has a year where he's starting to gain momentum, you put him in, you know, on bye weeks and everything like that and hope he pops.
0: Last year in this range you had players such as Zach Zinner, Thomas Rawls, etc.? Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. It
1: was funny. Look at Thomas Rawls. Now, also, we had guys like Malcolm Brown, who's, you know, officially buried on um, L.A. Yeah. On the era, like a third person sitting there. But, you know, now that Trey Mason decided to go get warrants for his arrest and everything, he may be off the team.
0: Yep.
1: So now Malcolm Brown's going to slide in. He could be the backup if no one else comes in. You know, so, I mean, so that's what you got to do, though. You sit there and you're more likely to hit on um, late running backs than late wide receivers. Um, uh, a guy like Peyton Barber hadn't even thought of even putting him on my list until I was reading through the RSP. And, man, just looking at stuff, you know, go back and watch film on him, and I can totally see it. You know, he's an Auburn guy. He's 5'10", 228, and he can do everything. He is another guy that, if given the opportunity, he could do a lot. I just don't think that he's going to have the draft pedig- pedigree to get that chance.
0: Right. And uh, but you don't need the draft pedigree in some cases. Look at Arian Foster and Thomas Rawls.
1: Absolutely. And, and you know. But, but then again, you know, who else do they really have on their team? He also. only he's he is a guy that if he goes to a place where he will get it, you know, he has a pretty straight line. Like maybe behind just one other player, he's going to shoot up into my ten, no problem. So.
0: He- Here's my advice for this this tier of guys. is You're probably going to be looking at these guys in the third round, maybe even the fourth round with some of them. And mm-hmm. if you're looking at taking a quarterback, and you're in a one-start, one-quarterback league, and you're looking at taking a quarterback, do it for me. Take one of these guys instead. Because your quarterbacks come out this year, you can get on the secondary market. Like Blake Bortles after his first year, you can get him really cheap, and then he took off. So... It, for me, go ahead and just say, you know what, I don't need Paxton Lynch. I'd much rather have Peyton Barber.
1: You know, I I wish I I I hope 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 that uh that uh if uh if Cleveland skips on a running back or I don't know on a lot of quarterback in the first round, uh-huh. they go through that same exact thought process to like the second and third rounds. We don't need a quarterback because if you're not going to take one early, don't take one at all.
0: Exactly, don't waste it. So. I think that kind of talks about the your top 15 rookie uh, running backs going into 2016 draft. Um, just to recap for you folks at home, they are in this order. Ezekiel Elliott, Kenneth Dixon, Paul Perkins, Jonathan Williams, Derek Henry, Devontae Booker, Alex Collins, CJ Proceis, Jordan Howard, Keith Marshall, Brandon Wilds, Jalen Richard, Peyton Barber, Daniel Lasco, and finally... Tyler Irvin. If they're not on this list, folks, I don't care about them.
1: (laughs) Yeah, me either at this point.
0: (laughs) So, uh, thank you very much for putting that list together, Luke. I think it was really great. If anybody has any questions about any of the running backs we talked about, or maybe one of those I just told you I didn't care about, um, please write into to intentionalgroundingff at gmail.com. I repeat, that is intentionalgroundingff at gmail.com. What is that, Luke? Intentionalgroundingff at
1: gmail.com.
0: Boom, you heard it from the Savior himself. So uh, we're going to wrap up the podcast on that note. Uh, I am Noah Downs. And I'm Luke Bisson. And thank you folks for listening.
1: Thanks, guys.